You're listening to a sermon podcast from Paramount Church in Columbus, Ohio. To learn more, visit ParamountColumbus.com. Well, if you're a guest here this morning, we're certainly glad that you are here to worship the Lord with us this morning, and hopefully we could ask any questions that you might have about our church that we could help you. If you're looking for a church, if you're just visiting, you picked quite a Sunday to visit on. So um, pray for Pastor Rush as they are taking uh, Hannah back to her expensive abode. Um, She is going back to college, and so um, just pray for them as they will be returning uh, this over the, I think tomorrow or today or, or first thing tomorrow. So my name is Kevin. I'm one of the pastors here. And so we are working our way through the book of Revelation. So you can open your Bible to Revelations 20. We will be looking at 11 through 15. There's something that I, most of you may not know about me, but I can tell the future. So that's, that's funny. See, no, nobody would believe that that's possible. That's my balcony crowd up there. So um, I had one of the balcony people this morning tell me I cranked the heat up because it's going to drive you down here because it's so hot up there. By the end of the message, you will be able to tell the future also. That what we talk about this morning will absolutely happen without any shadow of a doubt. For every person. This passage of scripture is probably one of the reasons why we preach expositionally. Expositionally meaning verse by verse. So that you don't pick and choose and you don't take the easy path. And that when the difficult passages come, you still, you go and you preach. And you have the Holy Spirit teach. And God's got it in here for a purpose. Especially this, because this is going to happen. I'm not sure that this morning that these little 4, 11 through 15 verses may be one of the most horrific scenes in all of the Bible. It's been quite a week of preparation. Let's read together verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And books were opened. And then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Let's pray together as we begin. Father, come by your spirit that you would do a work in each one of our hearts. That decisions will be made today and that for somebody sitting here today that they would see this. And also see the great love of God that we have sung about and what he has done to save people from this horrible ending. That you will draw people to yourself and that they would be saved today. Maybe somebody listening online. And that yet we would be encouraged because hopefully we will end in a glorious celebration in such a difficult passage of scripture. So come now and help us. We are desperate for you. We love you. Thank you for Jesus and for our salvation. In his name we pray. Amen. 
The great white throne judgment, this will, if you're taking notes for community group, this will be a little difficult for you. Me and Isaac generally make it difficult for you compared to what Rush does. So you may have to go back and listen to it and try to glean something out of it. But I'm going to have basically two talking points. My first one is going, what do you see? What do you see when you read this passage of Scripture that it's not, again, where we're tempted to go over the Scriptures as we read? Pastor Rush is always kind of encouraged, slow down. Don't, don't let the Scriptures just, just flow right over it and, and, and miss the richness in the things that are taking place. I'm not looking to add to the Scriptures at all, but we are going to unfold them just a little bit and, and, and look at what is being stated and what, what, what that means. And what is going on? John says, I saw a great white throne. White throne representing the purity of Christ, the judge, the power, his holiness, his righteousness. This is beyond, in my mind, beyond our imagination. We've talked about this, and we're, we're, we're looking, and, and Rush said when we began this book that we would be saying, hey, we're going to use our spiritual imagination as we go through this. This is a, a scene that, that we've not seen before because of the, the purity that is here, the power that is here in full control. We talked about in ABF this morning, the sovereignty of God, the sovereignty of God in suffering. Astounded in him who sits on the throne. We say it's Jesus, Acts, 6, uh, Acts 17, 30 to 31. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. There's only one that's been ever raised from the dead. That is Jesus Christ himself, and he is the judge. He's seated here on the throne. In this situation, there will be no more salvation. It's finished. There's not a sharing of the gospel. Your chance is done. It's ending. It's all ending. His presence, his appearance, can you even imagine? Uh-huh. Yet I long for the day where I see him. He is the judge, and you will see him, and it will be face to face, and you will see the scars as he sits there, and he judges in righteousness, in purity, in holiness, and in truth. There will be no error. Face to face, individually. Such an amazing, I don't know whether this is terror, I don't know whether this is fear, But earth and heaven, earth and the skies are leaving. So if you don't get the intensity of what's happening here, it's astounding. Creation is coming undone. It's, it's being wiped away. It's no more as we know it. So much so that when the earth and the heavens come into this presence going, mm-mm, like no thank you. Yet we're not leaving, not for a little bit. The dead, that's who is there. That's everyone. I'm not going to read it because I'm sure I'm going to run out of time. There's a passage in Matthew 25. 
And it is about separating the sheep from the goats. Well, I am going to read it. If we run out of time, then we should be able to handle a little bit of time once a week. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him will be gathered all the nations. He will separate people one from another as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, and but the goats on the left. And the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. And I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in, or you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry, and feed you, or thirsty, and give you drink? And, he, and, when, and when did we see you a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, or, or, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, say, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the, but the righteous to eternal life. There is a separating that is going on here in this judgment, and it says the books were opened. And in each one, in these passages of Scripture, whether it's the dead or whether they came from the sea or whether they came and he does in his death in Hades, everyone was judged according to what they had done. These books are recorded. Everything that you have done. There's no lawyer needed in this court. He's not going to find a loophole. There's no jury necessary. Because your life has been written down. Everything that you have done in the books. By God Almighty himself. And all of it's going to lead to a verdict. There's another book. It's the book of life. Are you in the book of life? Can I get an amen? Lighten this up a little bit. Somebody say yeah. It's a book of life. So you're saying salvation is by works? Nope. You heard the passage of Scripture read in Ephesians this morning. It's grace. It's all God. God's mercy. His grace. That we are saved by the work that He does. All these recorded actions will give testimony to whether you're in the book or you're not. For those who are lost and are not found in the book of life, their life will be read out and it will say they have rejected God. We talked about the viewpoint of suffering this morning and how people, I can't believe in a God that would allow suffering. Well, you don't, know, you don't know the Bible, and you don't know the God of the Bible, and your perspective is extremely way off. Why would he allow suffering? He sent his son to suffer and die so that we could all be ransomed, that we could be saved. Nobody has ever suffered beyond what Christ has suffered. 
Why do you think it's strange that if they, 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 they persecute me, your leader, why would they not persecute you? It's a wrong perspective. And this is God's world. This is what he's in control of. It's evidence. And even for those of us, as, 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 as you're found in the book of life, that is read, you will have a part of your life where you've lived and you've sinned. And you've sinned. And you've been part of children of being wrath. But then there's something written in those books that at some point where it's going, oh, but God, being rich in mercy, saved us, not by works, but by grace. No boasting, no boasting, no way you can claim any credit for this. But man, in your book, it has radically changed. And from there, as you see that passage of scripture, it goes on and goes, and and not only did he save you to, to save you from this horrible, horrific ending. He created you for good works. And so your book, And your writings of God will go on and say, look, here's the works that they did. Can't you see? Salvation. Look, look at the good works. And it brings great glory to God because we all know he's the one that does that in us. He is the workman that that causes us to, to do the good works. The lost will clearly have lived a life and rejected God and put God on trial and not submitted to him and have fought against him just like every single one of us. But never came to Christ. We're not written in the book. Matthew 13, 36. It's not the right <coughs> and he left the crowds and he went into the house and his disciples. And came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire. So will it be at the close of the age. The son of man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom and their father who has ears, let him hear. This morning, if you have ears to hear this and you don't know Christ, you don't know that your name is in the book, I pray that you'll have spiritual ears, that God will open your ears, that he will give you spiritual sight, that he will call you to himself and you will run to him. Run to him. And say yes. Yes to Christ. There's three other passages here, and I'm not going to read them. They're Luke. You can write them down. Luke 13, 22 to 30. Mark 9, 42 to 48. Revelations 14, 9 through 13. All telling of this horrific ending. That it's, this is, it's over. As we know it. There's something coming. It's far greater. Praise God. Verse 15. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire where the worm dies not, where there is no relief, there is torment, That will go on forever and forever. 
Don't be intimidated by this world if you go share the gospel. Don't let them make you feel like you're on the defense because God, who is a God who allows suffering, they don't have any clue what they're talking about. They don't know the God of this Bible. That we've all, by sin, have rejected the Lord and His provision and the greatest love story that has ever been told in the whole Bible pointing to Christ and all that He has done. Hold your head high with boldness. Plead. Why? Because this is their ending. Look beyond this noise and this intimidation and and I've got to explain God to you. Open your Bible and read it to them. Let the Word of God go into their heart and the Holy Spirit break through that and, and cause them to be able to see they're blind. They've been deceived. They've been deceived. We saw that last week, right? Look at this picture. This is unbelievable. We're standing here. You were read. Hmm. You're not in the books. Can you imagine? Mm -mm. Thank you. I can't. It's why in the next passage of Scripture for next week, He's going to wipe away every tear. You're going to watch this. Talking point two. Who do you see? Who do you see? Our world's population, supposedly as of 2022. I don't know that's been totally decided, but it was estimated to be eight billion people alive right now. Eight billion. This scene right here has everybody from Genesis to Revelation standing there. Billions. Billions. It's why we raise money and thank you for your generosity to give. Because why? We believe this is coming and there's people on the other side of the world who have not heard of Jesus. They're not without excuse. It's clear in Scripture. It's written on every man's heart. He's written the law of God. You know you have a conscience. You can look at creation and know there is a God. My Bible tells me so. But if they don't have somebody to come and speak the gospel, you can't get, you won't be saved if you don't hear the gospel. You must share the gospel. Billions of people standing here being cast into the lake of fire, or they're going to go and live with Jesus and God forever. What a contrast! What an unbelievable contrast. You can't get a a greater extreme than this right here. Last week when the devil was being thrown into the lake of fire, I sat there and I wanted to say, yeah, hallelujah, praise God. He's done away with. No more damage. No more driving sin that crushes Kills, destroys, blows up lives, blows up families. Will send people to an eternity forever and ever. And yet they're so deceived and they're so blind. And we were too. We're not special. We're only special because God said you're special. just a simple statement the dead the great and small the sea gave up the dead death and Hades gave up the dead they're all judged according to what they had done I asked somebody this past week I said when you think of great white throne judgment what do you think of 
Justice. <laughs> Justice. Justice being done here. Finally. Those as we sit here and look and you think, huh, people just get away with stuff. Not happening. So you'd have a wrong perspective. It's just the same thing. It's about questioning God about suffering. Going, you don't understand. There's this day's coming. This day's coming. And everything you did will be written down, and you won't fool anybody, and you won't twist the story, and you won't hide some fact, man. It's going to be exposed through and through total truth. There won't be an argument. Justice, isn't this great? Not what you want? You want justice? I don't think so. I don't think when you're standing there, we're going to be going, yeah, it's great. <laughs> In some sense, it is. I looked up going, what about evil people? You can Google, and of course, it's accurate about everything. But you can find out the 10 or 15 most evil people in the world. And the list of names that are there. And you can go and read the horrific things that they've done to people. Probably most of them innocent. Hitler. Stalin. Vlad the Impaler. I don't tell you to go look at this. But I would say... Now, he's, he's, he's like the devil. Yeah. And then you look at that individual. If you have any compassion whatsoever, even in that, it's like you do not want to see the judgment and the punishment that is coming. about those who have murdered innocent people, those who have killed babies, young children, school shootings. You want justice? Or do you want to cry out for that person's soul and beg that God would save me? That somebody would take the gospel to him and go, man, there's hope for you. You know you can be made clean I can't fathom that because my heart wants to have justice for you. You should pay for this. But deep down I know, man, you can be made clean and all of that can be forgiven. And to remind myself, I'm capable of doing that. Apart from God's grace in my life, our hearts are desperately wicked. Only God suppresses that. School shootings, 9-11, about those sex trafficking. That's supposed to be pretty prevalent here in this great city of Columbus. Yeah, I want justice for that. How about the great? Who are the great? The athletes? The doctors? Leaders? Great leaders? Scientists? Scientists who come up with great discoveries as you talked about this morning and polio and help do away with diseases. The wealthy, those who give money to good causes. Children's hospital, doing good things. And yet it's all written down and the Lord said, hmm, not in the book. You didn't do those things for me. You did all those things for yourself. Probably to ease their conscience of knowing there's somebody there I need to submit to. I need to give my life to. I need to come to God, the creator of this universe. That he can forgive my sin. You can't do enough. It's not possible. It's free gift from God.
How about the small? Who are the small? I'm small through and through. I'm short in stature and I'm a little overweight, so that part, I mean, not small. Most of us are probably considered small. Most of Columbus, small. How about your neighbors? How about your co-workers? Your family? Who do you see? Who do you see in this vast group of people? See, I wanted to try to bring this down and be a little bit more personal because it's easy to say, hey, it's all. And see the billions of people and kind of lose the fact we'll all stand there. And John can even recognize there are some that are great, there's some in between, and there's some that are small, and nobody will be left out. We will all be there. Your neighbor, as you walk out the door and you look at their face or across the street, and we're so busy. We don't even have time to slow down and stop. And yet you know the future. You, me, we know the future. We don't know how it's all going to work out in between there, but we do know the future. This day's coming. And we had the answer. We had the solution. It's more than a solution, man. It is an eternity. Who do you see? I want two things to ponder on. This is where you can make some of your application as we normally do on the points. Rush made a statement last week again. Revelations is a book of preparation. Are you preparing for this day? What is God recording about you? He's writing. Did you hear it in the prayer this morning? Always seeing. Always hearing. Always recording. My works. According to what we have done. For us, they're works that God creates in us. You can't work these up. I'm not trying to say go out and Make this effort. This is all grace, but it is as you walk with God and you walk in the power of His Holy Spirit. God has given you that because in your salvation, He's created you for good works. So as I walk with Him, He says, speak. As I walk with Him, He says, don't say anything. As I walk with Him, He says, go lay your life down. Go make a sacrifice. Go do the least Go become the least. I'm going to question God about suffering and how he does stuff. Good. Night of living. You should put your hand over your mouth. And we'll be rewarded for him. Can you imagine? All the work that he did in us, and then he's going to give us rewards for him. Why? So that we can give them back to him in praise and glory and honor. Hallelujah. That's the difference Christ makes. That's the difference salvation makes. That's what's being recorded. And so walk with God. Love God. Walk with him. Talk with him. He's real. Jesus is with you. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. The same power that raised this man from the dead, the God-man, who was sinless. That power lives within us. 
I'm astounded at how easily we get overwhelmed. And I get it. Trust me. We've had some weeks. It's frustrating. There's anger. There's struggle. Until you go back and you get grounded. Because you've got to know. You've got to have that foundation. To know that even when God is putting you through great suffering. You can say, oh, but he's in control. And he's doing a glorious work in me. It doesn't feel glorious. It might not look glorious. I hope he makes it glorious in me for him. Because somebody's life's at stake. Somebody's life might change because I suffered. Praise God. They disciples walked away from places praising God that we were considered worthy to suffer for the sake of the gospel. And we try to shun it going, God, what are you doing? I'm trying to save people. I'm trying to use you to save people. There's people that are written in the book that haven't been saved yet. What changes are needed for the, God, the good work of God to increase in my life? What changes? What changes are needed in your life? Your busyness, this world is pressing in that wants to to. to to, trans, to, to, to conform us. What changes are needed? Last week, third point, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Did anybody kill any sin last week? Because see, I think the problem may be, we don't think that we need any, we don't have any sin that's really like that desperate. Kill it? Like put it to death? Like don't ever do it again? Did anybody do that? Look at this scene. You're standing before a holy, righteous God, and he's recording our actions. And we just lull along and just embrace sin. And, oh, it's not that bad. Nobody knows about it. God knows. He sees. He hears. He records. Preparation. Preparation for that day. Are you prepared for that day? Does your good works include sharing the gospel on a regular basis? Luke 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Abraham said, Child, remember that you are in the life, you, are, it, it, you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And beside all this between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able and none may cross from there to us. And he said, then I beg you, I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, ah, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, no, Father, Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. There's a man who's pleading for souls. And it took him going into torment before he could realize going, oh, God, help, 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 help.
our evangelism. I've over the years had a lot of people share their views with me about their responsibility in evangelism and how that takes place. Sometimes it's somebody else's responsibility. I clearly get a lot going, I don't like doing that. We had time here where we would get new people who moved in to Bexley and new electrical hookup and we made up some bags that had some stuff in it. You know, a little cookie and some coffee stuff. It just stuff and people were like, I don't like the bag. It ain't about the bag. It's to give you the ability to have something in your hand and knock on the door and say, hey, my name's Kevin. I'm from Paramount Church and we're to see where you just moved in. Do you have a church that you go to? Has anybody ever talked to you about Jesus Christ? You You can get the conversation going real quick. Just start talking about Jesus. You'll either get shut down because they won't listen to you. But if somebody comes from the dead, they still won't listen. Some of them. And that's why they will be thrown into the lake of fire because they have rejected the greatest love ever, ever given to them. The greatest offer that could ever, ever be given. In my spiritual imagination this week, and questioning my own self, I also placed myself in this this scene. I don't know what's going to happen here, but I do know we're watching, and in the next passage, he will wipe away our tears. I wondered, would anybody make eye contact with me? It has been judged, and it found out they're not in the book. And just with a look, I said, hmm, you're in the book, and you never said a word to me. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I do know I'm trying to make this personal and and have God grow me in my boldness to go. It's why I moved here. I didn't move here to get a bunch of other church members from other churches. I came here to get the gospel to some people who are dying and don't know Christ as their Savior and their destruction is horrific. And God did this for me, and so why in the world? How can you know Christ, walk with Him, love Him with all your heart, and then feel like, I have no responsibility here. I'm not gifted to do that. To talk about the person that you love the most in the whole world? We don't have any trouble talking about football in here. Or whatever else is your passion, talk to me about hunting and I will throw up on you with all kind of information. (laughs) Oh, and to watch them and for them to make eye contact with me and they were thrown into the lake of fire right in front of my face. And I will prepare so that doesn't happen. I beg God to to move me another step forward, another more boldness, and be reminded of this passage of Scripture. One writer put it this way, I tremble with joy that I am saved. But oh, oh, the holy wrath of God is a horrible destiny. Flee this, brothers and sisters, flee this with all your might. And let us save as many as we can. No wonder there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous. Can you look at this scene and see that somebody comes to Christ and heaven just explodes? Just explodes. 
Why? Because they were saved from the lake of fire and torment forever and ever and ever. And it's beyond that. You get God for the rest of your life. Oh, my stars. Are you kidding me? Okay. I want to end this on a, a, an uplifting. There is good here. There is good here for us, for those, if your name is written in the book. I hope that this scene, that you would spend more time in looking at it and use your spiritual imagination. I'm not trying to just make it real to you. Make it so that God uses that in our life to give us a passion and a love for those. That's why he came. He came to save, to seek and save those that were lost. That's why he came here. So we should be about the same thing. Look what he saved you from. My prayer this week has been that your salvation will explode for you today. That you'll see your salvation greater than you've ever seen it before. Look at what he's done. You deserve to be one of the ones that are not in the book and be thrown into the lake of fire. And Jesus came and said, "Uh uh-uh, you're mine. You're mine, and I'm going to send somebody after you with this gospel, and you're going to hear it, and I'm going to birth you, and you're going to confess Christ and take him as Savior and Lord and rejoice forevermore. You deserve torment forever and ever, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, and you go from this to God Almighty himself is going to come down and dwell with us. Woo! Man, don't get used to your salvation. May it explode for you today, the great love of God. Oh, my. And we just nonchalantly go on and get caught up in this world. You've lost sight of your salvation and mainly your Savior. I'm going to read it again. And you, 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 me, you, 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 all the billions, all of them. We're dead in trespasses and sins. And whence you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. We all, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, I have a tattoo. Ta-da! I don't know where you thought it might be, but it's, it's, here, on, it's here on my arm. <laughs> Greek, but God. Great conversation starter and the greatest transition in all of the world. Oh, but God. This is who you were, but God. Not you, not that you got better, not that you worked at it, not that I'd got all these things written in the book. Yeah, but God, oh, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses and sin, you were his enemy. You were at war against him. This is what he saved you out of. Made us alive. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved And you are raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and his kindness towards us. Golly, you had not even seen all that he's going to do. The immeasurable riches you can't even fathom. All that he longs to do. And kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. So that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. And God prepared beforehand. That we should walk in them. 
see the horrific ending for those who are not in the book. Are you written in the name? Are you your name in the Lamb's book of life? You better make sure. And if you are, I pray your salvation would explode today like no other. That you will walk with Jesus and that we will pursue folks who are facing this horrific ending. Let's pray. Father, what a passage. It's hard. Hard to stand and have to teach it. It's truth. And even in it, we can see just the great glory and the things that you have done for us in our salvation that you accomplished in us. And oh, forgive us, as the prayer said earlier, for where we are just indifferent. The times where we question, (laughs) you're not there. You're not doing the things that I want you to do. Oh, God, forgive us. We know what you do. We know what you've done. We know what you're going to do. We praise you. Grow us, each one of us, in all different phases of this process that you are doing. You're the one who saves and you sanctify and you will ultimately glorify us. We see it right here in this passage. Keep doing that work in us. Give us hearts that long for you more than anything. More than anything. More than our spouses. More than our children. Oh, I watch young couples and the new babies and the love that has just exploded in them. Oh, make our love hundredfold better than that for you. God, we love you. Do that work in us. And if somebody's here today, I pray that they would come to Jesus today. Come, grab somebody, talk to somebody. Accept Christ today as your Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.